Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Val Cisco, dropping some knowledge about Anchor. Guys, have you ever wanted to record your own podcast? Don't you want millions and millions of people to listen to what you have to say, whether it's about Zeus, whether it's about sports, whether it's about everything that's going on in the world of quarantine? Guys, what are you waiting for? Download Anchor. Anchor basically is a one-stop shop for all your podcast needs. It has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Number two, it's free. Guys, it's free. There's not a lot of freebies out there, so grab this. And of course, Anchor will distribute your podcast so you can be heard from different places like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and many, many, many more. You can make money off your podcast too with minimum listenership. So right there, guys, like, listen, this is a no-brainer. Download Anchor. It's pretty fantastic. I love it. Hell, thank you, Anchor, for giving me the platform to speak about all the random things that I do. Uh, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So please, once again, download Anchor. You can download it off the Apple Play Store, the, the Google Store. I don't know if you guys have Blackberries out there still. Uh whatever is out there download it it's freaking phenomenal you guys won't regret it take care ciao What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Val from the Side Room Podcast, bringing to you another sidecast. And this right here, this right here is your WWE 2017 TLC. That's right, tables, a ladders, a chairs. Oh my, review. I figured since uh, I was ranting about it all weekend, I dropped this down and give you my thoughts and opinions. Uh, especially for this pay-per-view, uh, I was very critical this week on how they were laying this format out. So um, here we go. Let's go right into it. No loop pause. So uh, we start off with the pre-show because the first time in a long time, a pre-show was pretty decent. I think that's because they actually let the crowd nestle themselves in their seats. You know, they did a lot of backstage segments, previews for certain matches, and finally around almost to the 30 to 20 minute marker before the show started, they let these girls start. And it was uh, a good, uh, you know what? A pretty, pretty good match. Almost great match between Sasha Banks and Alicia Fox. That's right. I'm saying it. Alicia Fox had a good match. I only say that because um, maybe she's taking her in-ring skills and her persona a little bit more serious. Maybe it was Sasha carrying the match a little bit too much, but um, I think if they blended well together. I think they've been um, having some solid segments 
for the last few weeks to kind of get them ready for this match. And I think because of the fact that they were on the pre-show, they wanted to give the crowd a little bit something different. So, yeah, it was a lot of old-school wrestling, you know, Felicia doing a lot of the heel tactics, pandering to the crowd, uh, making scenes in front of the crowd, doing some dastardly heel work while Sasha was being the the queen bee baby face, if you call it that. Um, it ended up with Sasha taking the win. Tapping Alicia out with the bank's statement. And like I said, it was a pretty decent match. It gave the girls a couple, I think at least 15 to 20 minutes working this match. So it was good. It was good. Um, got the crowd happy. I saw the the crowd just clapping, kids going crazy for Sasha, laughing, seeing Alicia lose. So when you get the crowd hyped up to start off a pay-per-view, that's the best way to get business rolling. So yeah, we had a nice little intro with uh, Kurt Angle being the main focus, of course, um, showing his accomplishments in WWE, showing that he hasn't been in WWE for about 10 to 11 years, and how this is his first match back in WWE in a long time, yada yada, blase blase, pay-per-view starts. First match was the long-awaited debut of Miss Asuka. You know, um, she's making her debut with uh, Emma being the sacrificial lamb. And I'm going to tell you this much. This was surprising to me. Um, I didn't think there was going to be a 50-50 match. I thought this was going to be an Oscar showcase slaughtering the lamb for the viewing pleasure of the audience in the Coliseum, if you will. But no, it wasn't like that whatsoever. Um, this was Emma getting her groove back, um, kind of dominating half the match and putting Oscar on the run throughout the whole match and I don't know if that's the new creative direction for Asuka maybe because she's on the main roster they want to make this feel like it's a more challenging process than it was in NXT uh, I know the last like five or six months besides Ember Moon Asuka's been just running through people left and right so to see her go 50-50 with someone that as experienced as Emma was refreshing uh, I love Emma I think she has a solid work ethic I think she has her character down packed even though she had a lot of setbacks in the last two years with injuries or just character developments didn't go her way uh, I think she has a solid showing in this match um and I still think she has a bright future. Uh, is she the Ty Dillinger of Raw? Kind of. But the same token, though, she, she, she's a strong character. Especially with someone like Asuka, who you want to put over strong. This was the way to do it. Um, it wasn't as hard-hitting as I thought it would be. And um, I should have expected that. You know, Usually when people come from NXT to the main roster, they get slightly neutered with their movesets. And Asuka a little bit too. She wasn't hitting as hard as usual. Um, her and Emma had matches in NXT before, so I expected a little bit more of a hard-hitting match. But, you know, her regular moveset was there. The ankle lock, um, the Asuka lock, the... Let's see here. There was a couple of things as well, too. Um, uh, you had Asuka going outside, getting beat up by Emma as well, too. Uh, Emma doing some cheating maneuvers as well. There was, there was a lot of fun in this match, but ultimately she gets Asuka lock and taps around, which is basically a cross-face chicken wing. So kudos to Bob Backlund giving her that almost, but um, it was awesome. It was awesome to watch. So yeah, Asuka gets the win. Kind of flat finish, I will tell you that much. The finish just came out of nowhere. It was just, you know, Asuka gets a head kick, and then she uh, puts her in the Asuka lock and calls it a day. So yeah, 
there you go. Oscar for a win. So, we get to the next match over here. Get a little promo here and there, yada yada, things happening, and we get the Cruiserweights match. And yes, it is a tag team match where the Cruiserweights finally are getting some shine, at least about a good, I want to say, eight to ten minutes in this match. Um, involved the team of Rich Swan and Cedric Alexander taking on Captain Hook himself, Brian Kendrick, the Brian Kendrick, one of my favorites. And Jack Gallagher, who is um, sporting his new heel look of just wearing um, his gentleman clothes to the ring and wrestling in that attire. So that's refreshing. Um, great match. Um, had a lot of spots. And finally, like I said before, we get the Cruiserweights in a position where they can actually work. They can hit, hit their high spots as well as seeing the heels do their heel work as well, too. Um, you're seeing Jack Gallagher not really doing the the whole funny pandering to the crowd maneuvers. It's more serious, trying to hit them where it hurts, more eye gouging, more head bunts, you know, being a little dastardly. As well as um, Brian Kedrick using the ring, um, the ring accessories to his advantage to try to get a win. Ultimately, it was a combination of Rich and Cedric getting the win today. We saw a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Phoenix Splash from Rich and finish it off with the lumbar check from Cedric Alexander, which is like a uh, belly-to-back suplex into a backbreaker. So check that out. You'll love it. If you haven't seen Cedric's work in the indies, look at him now. I mean, you're going to be more impressed with his indies work, but the fact that he and then Rich are getting some, some shine right around now is cool. So kudos to the gentleman right there. I think they deserve a lot more time, but... Uh, I'm seeing a bright future for Cruiserweights if they stick to it and they keep on producing good matches like this. You know, it'll work out for them. Um, you know, I, I can say more about a lot about this these matches tonight, the match layouts, especially with all the injuries that happened. If you listen to my last podcast, I was a little critical on how they could have used some raw talent. And not as raw talent, as like the raw roster talent to kind of substitute for the wrestlers they were going to put on this um, the event tonight. But alas, we got what we got. So I'm not going to cry about spilled milk. We're just into this uh, review right here. I still think the Cruiserweights should have got more time and a little bit more matches, but c'est la vie. So we get into our next match over here. And our next match involved the women's division for the Raw Women's title. And this was a match with Nikki James taking on Alexa Bliss. And uh, a storyline which is a little controversial to some women out there that I've been talking to in the wrestling community. Given like the whole age factor, how Nikki's just past her prime and she had kids and she's not supposed to be wrestling because, you know, this is a young girl sport. And Nikki's looking fine, man. Nikki James looking fine as hell. You know, and... I don't know. There's a lot of women out there, men out there, who are much older than Mickey James. So I guess in the storyline standpoint, it kind of didn't make as much sense as they were trying to push it. But they were doing it. They were pushing it as much as they could. And it was a, a solid match as well, too. Um, I don't think there were any bad matches tonight. I think everything was just solid. If anything, this whole event reminded me of um, like a glorified house show. Like if you went down to Madison Square Garden and you were seeing these random wrestlers together or a couple of um, championship matches together, it's good matches. You know, you're not expecting major implications, but they're good matches. So nonetheless, with this one as well, too, we had uh, Mickey James 
and Alexa Bliss going at it back and forth, back and forth with Mickey getting a lot of work done. You know, she put her classic moves as, as well as um, doing some technical work as well. We saw a lot of hair pulling, going to kick up, hair pulling to kick ups, cartwheels, Mickey James doing some top rope maneuvers as well, too. Um, one thing I've, I always found about Mickey James, though, yes, she's a veteran, but her work has never been the most spot on. She even with her debut WrestleMania match, she kind of botched that, you know, against Trish Stratus. So I don't know. It's just always been me. I always look at Mickey's work as never as crisp as it as it should be. But then again, look at my work on the mic right here. I botch everything, so I can't be too critical, right? So um, yeah. We had Alexa doing her move sets. Um, for the limited time that Alexa's been on the roster, she her character is down packed as well too. She knows who she is. She knows her strengths and she knows her weaknesses. And everything she does do works to her advantage. You know, she's like a. I, I want to say she reminds me of back in the day. Um, I'm gonna say like how you would have an old heel that just never would work too much too hard you know like a, i'm not, not going to compare her to rick flair or or harley race but when they had their heel moments where they barely did a, a suplex or a figure four hold it was just them getting beat up throughout the whole match and then going for the win that's what i remind um, she reminds me of so that's always refreshing to see um yeah uh and when uh went over where we saw Alexa just capitalizing on Mickey, uh, slamming her head into the turnbuckle. And with the DDT, Alexa gets the win. So, pretty decent match. Love to see it. Uh, Mickey cut a promo at the end saying, I'm not too old. You know, I'm still going to be doing this and expect me to get that championship because she's looking to tie Trish Stratus as a seven time WWE Women's Champion. So, hopefully, you know, we see more to come with these two. I think they could have better chemistry if they work a little bit more. But we'll see what happens. Um, I look forward to more matches between Alexa and Mickey. So, we go on from there. By the way, um, this is a time where we see Elias Sampson doing some mini-segments throughout the night. This first one is him on the stage side, about to do his whole routine where he sings to the crowd and makes fun of the crowd. Tonight, I don't know, but I think my dude Elias just didn't know what the fuck was going on on the guitar. Either the guitar wasn't tuned, or he was just missing notes on purpose. I'm not sure what was going on, but usually he's pretty decent on the guitar, but... Today, not. Nah. <laughs> he was just, I don't know what was going on. But, uh, yeah, it was just every segment of him starting to get his little um, segment going. And then, I guess, Jason Jordan comes out and starts throwing lettuce at the dude, like, wearing, like, a comedy bar. And I guess it was funny at first, but then, like, throughout the night, it kept on going, it kept on going, it kept on going. Alas, we'll go into the next match. So, the next match, we had... Enzo Amore taking on Kalisto for the Cruiserweight Championship. Now, usually when it comes to the brand of TLC, there's always like four, three or four gimmicks revolving the whole pay-per-view. Not this year. The only gimmick was a TLC match. And I kind of feel like this match deserved a gimmick, whether it had been a ladder match, a chairs match, a tables match, what have you, even with the with the last... um. Women's match with Mickey and and Alexa, you know, she won her first 
Women's Championship in a tables match at TLC last year. So it kind of been fitting that they did that, but, you know, WWE doesn't know how to look at the history books and say, you know what, that would work. Same thing with this, you know, knowing that Enzo is pretty limited on his movesets, he's very charismatic, but he's very limited, and knowing that Kalisto is uh, limited in personality but great in the ring, a gimmick would have worked for both of them. But we got a singles match, a regular pinfall match, submission to pinfall, expedition, and basically, uh, it was just Enzo getting beat up by Kalisto. Enzo hitting some dastardly moves, you know, thumb to the eye, chop to the throat, trying to hit low blows and tight roll-ups and things of that nature. And, yeah, we got um, a thumb to the eye to Kalisto. And we got the, um, well, what does he call it? The uh, Jordan... It's like a eat the feet, but he uses the word Jordan in there. It's like his Jordans are are sticking in your mouth or some shit like that. I don't know. Enzo wins. Uh, two-time reign as a champion now. Um, cuts a promo in the locker room. A heel pro- promo on the crowd. Yada, yada, yada. That's about it. I like Enzo. Like I said, I love Enzo. I like the fact that he was giving shit and he made um, um, chicken salad out of chicken shit, as they like to call it. And he's rolling with this. And uh, I just hope that maybe with the division that he's in now, with the cats that he's wrestling, he could, you know, just get a couple of things rolling for his, for his in-ring. So that way he could put it all together and be something for the next, you know, three to four years that people can actually remember. as uh, Instead of being just a mouthpiece in a tag team or just a mouthpiece now. The guy does a little, little running man zebra shit you know i want him to be more than that so hopefully we'll get that so short match you know enzo wins bada bing bada boom um after that we uh still like i said gain a couple of promos from elias yada 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 uh more salad being thrown at him and tomatoes being thrown at him yada 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 and we finally get the match where i think people were really waiting for and it's a match that i'm highly critical about not the in-ring performance, but the way that it was brought to us, and it was Finn Balor in the demon costume taking on AJ Styles for no apparent reason. Granted, this match was just put together for fan service that we're going to be in the ring uh, ringside tonight. I get that. Granted, him and Bray Wyatt's match that they were supposed to have before he got stricken down by that little illness that was passed around this week um probably would have flopped because bray's character and his in-ring work hasn't been um up to par in the last year and the feud has been very cold as well too even though bray was gonna bring his little sister abigail character out um i think the dude was trying to dress tranny i'm not even sure what's going on with that one but rock and roll bray and do whatever god do so, yeah, I understand that. But the fact is that we had a match at this caliber. Two New Japan superstars. You know, AJ in his own right, a worldwide superstar. And Finn Balor, just uh, his his association with the Bullet Club, being Prince Devin, his, his matches in New Japan with the Bullet Club, with AJ. That history could have been a year build. We could have culminated at WrestleMania or SummerSlam or something big, bigger than this, because a lot of people are not going to remember this at, after tonight. I have a feeling that we look at next year, we're going to be like, oh yeah, and that's when those two fought, and that's when you know Kurt came back. 
Um, they're gonna be looking looking at this pay per view for the wrong reasons, in my opinion. Um, that being said, though, we had Finn Balor taking on AJ Styles, and did it live up to the hype? I think it was good. I think it wasn't great, but I think it was good. I think this was a match where they gave you enough to salivate for another one. I think it was a match that, in my opinion, hit every mark. No real mistakes were happening. And because they trust each other, they were able to do quite a few things but never go overboard. And I'm happy with that. I could deal with that because at the end of the day, this was a throwaway match. Um... I would have enjoyed it more knowing that Balor wasn't in demon form because then it would have been a little bit, I guess, um, I want to say the stakes wouldn't have been that high, I guess. You know, even though, you know, yes, yeah, it's, it's a coat of paint and it's war paint. Um, the demon character has gone over these last few years where this is this unbeatable character. And from what we've seen so far, the demon character has never been beat. So usually, 9 out of 10 times, when you see a stigma like this, and he has the demon character on on his face, on the, on the paint, on everything going on, uh, it usually is an indication that he's winning that match. And that's what happened tonight. You know, Finn went over. Great costume, by the way, this year. The face paint, um, very subtle. But as an anime character, I did see hints of either Venom or I did see hints of Death Note in that. Um, it could have been me. I saw a little hints of Death Note um, with Ryuk's character, just with the face or the back. Maybe something's there. Maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. But yeah, we got that going there, and Finn wins the match. Um, very competitive match um, all over the place. With Finn. I think the funniest thing is um, Michael Cole trying to botch words like a Ushiguroshi <laughs> and um, Corey Graves. Um, trying to call the match or or moves as well too um especially one of finn's um uh, moves of the day the music died um where it was try he was actually trying to hit that reverse ddt and i guess there was some confusion and everybody was just calling mispronunciations of moves or how they were executed it was hilarious anyways um like i said good match it was fun to watch um, we went through that. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to forget about this part because after the match, AJ gets up, Finn and him look at each other, they put the too sweet sign, they do the little too sweet kiss with the hands, and then they walk away, I guess, as respect to the Bullet Club or in general. You know, I find this hilarious. On one side, they're pushing the too sweet for the relations of AJ the club of Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows and Balor. Hilarious. They're too sweet in each other all over the place because of the history of the Bullet Club. But when you look at New Japan, ROH, them boys doing the too sweet signs of getting, getting cease and desist orders and getting sued for copyright infringement and all this bullshit. It's, it's the same homage, bro. So what the fuck is going on? Anyway, y'all heard my rant before. I'm not going to go into it. So that happened. Um, yep, we finished that off. And we um, get another Elias segment. And bada bing, bada boom, they get into a match. Where it goes back and forth. At this time, I think the crowd was just a little fatigued. It wasn't a bad match. I think there was just a lot of um, ring fatigue happening at this point. Especially with the AJ Finn match. 
uh, it was a solid showing for Elias and for Jason Jordan. I think they both are getting way better in ring, especially Elias, being that he's a greener out of the two. And um, the finish was, it was going to be a roll-up, but Elias' shoulders weren't, it's one of the tropes they're going through. You know how they had running finishes or disqualification finishes at one point, like every other day, or every other main event was a tag match? Well, this one right here, for this year, I've seen a lot of times, is that it's a roll-up or a small package, but the shoulders just weren't down. And how didn't the ref see that? So Jason Jordan wins with controversy and Elias staring him down. I guess the rivalry is going to keep on going. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what continuity is right now because Survivor Series is coming and that's going to fuck up everything too. So we got at least about a good two months before things start getting straight again. So, um... Yeah, so we get a a segment, a little preview for tomorrow's Raw, where we get the WWE champion, Jinder Mahal, challenging Brock Lesnar to a champion versus championship match at Survivor Series. This is horrible, in my opinion, because it's only going to make Jinder even more weak than he's looking these days. I know he's a cash cow when it comes to India right now, but the same token... Dude should be just running through people strong. And now you're going to have Lesnar just maul him for no reason. We've seen in the past that the WWE has put the title on people who have not stepped up to the occasion. I'm not saying that that's gender, but uh, I'm just thinking outside the box here. If you're going to push a champion or a heel champion or a foreign champion, let them run through some people pretty hard. That being said, this is Virus Series predictions and... Wrestling Talk will be another podcast. Um, that'll be a lot to discuss. Maybe with my boy Jay Rance or BX Lou. Anyways, we get into the package. Kurt Angle and this this issue that happened where Roman Reigns had to pull out because of illness. And how the match has to be um, changed just a bit. Where Kurt Angle is going to be replacing uh, Roman Reigns for no apparent reason. <laughs> and just to save the show, I guess. And, um, yeah, we get vignettes of The Miz saying, Angle, you shouldn't be in this match. Braun saying that I'm going to, you know, knock you out of your career. You know, The Bar, you know, making claims they're going to eliminate Angle first. You know, it's trying to be a big deal to show them, like, headline news from ESPN and Bleacher Report and Daily News, CNN, supposedly. All this shit, all these outlets, you know, congratulating Kurt on, uh, on coming back after 10 years into WWE. So we get the whole entrances for everybody. We get Miz, you know, we get Kane, we get Braun, uh, the bar. I think that's about it, right? Am I forgetting anybody? Probably. If I'm not, fuck it. Anyways, we got them coming out. All five of them are out there. And then we hear the classic shield theme. The old Sierra Alpha Yada Yada Mielda. You know, that hits. And we get Rollins we get Ambrose in the riot gear in the crowd. The crowd's going nuts. They're looking stone cold. Their faces are looking serious like they're about to go to war. And then this jolly motherfucker comes out. I love Kurt Angle. Don't get it twisted. Kurt Angle is one of my favorite wrestlers along with Chris Benoit. Yeah, I said it. That's another day, though. So, looking at Kurt Angle and coming out with riot gear outfit maybe sounded great on paper. But the dude's, like, all way too happy. I guess because he's in this match and he's finally getting a chance to wrestle again. 
But the fact that he's smiling while these two guys are just stone cold about to go to war. They're coming down. They're about to, you know, they do their whole shield entrance from the barricades. And you have Kurt in the right outfit. They get some chairs and they start the match. Everybody's going crazy. Spot fest this, spot fest that. We get a... Uh, it's hard because this is Kurt's first match. This is in the last podcast that I was telling, telling you guys about that... Kurt just needs a warm-up match just to feel comfortable again, especially in the WWE. Dude was just standing around half the match sometimes. He was just standing around not knowing what to do. You know, so we had a part where Kurt was setting up Kane and, and Braun Strowman on the tables outside. I think the Spanish announced table on the German announced table. And they set up some ladders. And knowing that there's like three other heads behind you, Kurt's just there like la-da-da-da-da while Ambrose and... Um, and Rollins jump off and, you know, do a sequence of elbow drop, frog splash onto these dudes from the ladder to the table. Looked beautiful, looked intense. Once again, my main complaint was just Kurt just lollygagging, just being like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what to do with my hands. So, um, we get that going, then the numbers game starts to hit where, um, everybody's jumping everybody. It's complete chaos. The crowd's loving it, though. The crowd's loving the fact that Kurt's in the right gear. It's hilarious. And we finally get to the point where um, we see Kurt in the ring and he's doing a bunch of German suplexes and then the crowd's singing, you still got it. I hate that because, bro, uh, if you're really wrestling fans, you do know that Kurt was just wrestling for Impact Wrestling not too long ago. If anything, that's where he's been for the last like 10 years was Impact Wrestling. So y'all need to get your educations on the wrestling business. Then again, as well, too, you should know if you love indie wrestling, too, Kurt was just wrestling in Arizona not too long ago against Rey Mysterio. So, yeah, dude's still got because he's been doing it. So, I don't know. Anyways, I'm being a mock right about now. It's all right. So, they, um, they finally get the numbers game on Kurt. Braun comes out. He power slams Kurt to a table. The mags come. They carry Kurt out. We already know what's going to happen, but it's okay. So, we get the whole beat down. With um, Rollins and Ambrose and with the whole gang of war getting taken to the the Titantron screen by the stage area. Miz calls for a dump truck. So a dump truck comes out. He's saying that he wants to take out the garbage, literally. And, um, yeah, they're about to throw these dudes in a dump truck. They get out the dump truck. They start fighting, start smacking people around. Um, there, there was an altercation between Braun and Kane at one point. And I guess... I don't know what happened. I guess the Miz was like trying to be, you know, the the cool guy in the room. Like, yo, 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 we got to get our acts together. You know, he was being the leader. If anything, I give Miz a lot of credit because Miz finally gets the main event push that he deserves once again. And he did great being like the guy that's trying to take control of this little posse. So we get um, them being Rollins down, them beating Ambrose down. Kurt's still nowhere to be found. And out of nowhere, Kane just... Pops Braun Strowman mad hard for no apparent reason. <laughs> and then the dude choke slams Braun Strowman off the stage. That happens. Then, um, if y'all didn't see it, um, the, I guess the setting of the stage this year was a whole bunch of ch- chairs that were like twined up together going to the ceiling. So think of it like a, like the fly traps. Where they're like twindled up. But you got like a whole bunch of flies in between it when they get caught. Kind of like that in a way. So, dude's on the on stage floor. Kane looks at the little 
little lining with the chairs, pulls it down, and it's like a scene from a movie, like a comedy movie, where he pulls it down, and all, the whole fixture just falls on Prostro. <laughs> it's like complete comedy. This is where this gets out of hand to me. So yeah, that happens. Kane goes back to the dudes. They all start being on the dudes again. Um, Braun gets up. You see his hands. He attacks Kane. He attacks everybody. He attacks the Miz. He going crazy like the Hulk. Braun's a baby face. I'm sorry. Braun's going to be a baby face no matter what. That's why they're doing this whole Shades of Grey character. But the fans love Braun. Um, it gets to a point where... I don't know how they got away with this. They literally stick Braun in the garbage truck. And they pull the lever. Pull the lever! And the dude literally gets scrunched up into the garbage truck. And then they, it peels off. So Braun's at the match. Probably dead somewhere. I don't know. You never know on wrestling these days. You know, there's so, account, so many accounts of murder, it's not even funny. So that happens. Um, then we get the bar, Seamus and Cesaro, Miz and Kane taking these dudes back into the ring. Fight, 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 fight. We hear the Kurt Angle song that everybody wanted to hear. Kurt Angle comes, still with his right gear on, leads a couple of Germans, throws Cesaro through a table for Angle Slam, comes in, starts wreaking havoc, blase, blase, everybody gets taken out. We have a, a double spear from Ambrose and Rollins right through the barricade to Kane, I believe. Leaves Miz in the match by himself. They all start jumping him. You know, Rollins has the Kingslayer knee. Uh, Ambrose has the Dirty Deeds. Then you get an Angle Slam. Um, and I think it ends where they do the whole... They're about to do the Shield Bomb. And they have Angle as the Roman Reigns character. And he does the ooh, but he's Kurt Angle. So you gotta shit your pants because it's hilarious. They do the Power Bomb and Angle gets the pin and they win. So that was it. That was your uh, TLC pay-per-view right about now hope you i didn't put you to sleep but it was pretty funny in my in my opinion it was funny it was decent matches at first and the main event was just strictly comedy in my opinion i'm gonna give it a 3.5 out of 5 um my own personal opinions aside there were some good matches but like i said it's like all it was like a pretty awesome house show at madison square garden where you really didn't see any implications happening. Like, maybe a cruiserweight change, that's about it. But they don't treat that belt with any poise that much these days anymore. Or any time ever. So, um, other than that, the main event kind of threw me off a little bit. Um, the whole Elias rant was throwing me off a little bit. And everything else is pretty fine. Um, I still say, though, in my heart of hearts... That they could have came out with something a little bit smarter. And if they had a lot more trust with the main roster that they have on Raw, they could have came up with something. You know, they had, you have a gimmick pay-per-view. You could have threw a ladder match in there for a title, like the Enzo title. For the women's match, you could have brought that history back with the tables match that Alexa won her first title with. Um, you could have done a chairs match with somebody, I don't know, with... Um, um, with one of the tag teams, with maybe with the bar. The bar could have been a TLC match with uh, Rollins and um, and Ambrose right there. That could have been a TLC match right there. Um, you have people like Tyus O'Neal and and Apollo Crews, who has been misused for the last three years. They could have done something. You have a healthy roster. You have Matt Hardy, who was even on the roster. I mean, on the pay per view this um, 
tonight. So, you know, it, it was a lot. It was a lot. There was a lot of things you guys could have did, but chose not to. He chose to take an easy way out for the fans. And it sucks because I really wish there was something that can say, hey, you know, whatever we're doing tonight is going to have major implications. And I don't see that. We're going to Survivor Series next. Survivor Series is a Raw versus SmackDown pay-per-view. You know, tag and tag, so everybody's going to be buddy-buddy. Let's get the brands going, you know, red versus blue. So you're not going to have any implications with stories coming out of that until probably December. So now we're on just like autopilot until this is finished. And, um, yeah, so that's all I got to say about that. If you guys like this, if you guys hate this, let me know. Um, this is my rant on it. I enjoyed it uh, for what it was. I was interested in the AJ and Finn match. It was a pretty good match. So if anything else, see it for that and see it for the comedy with Kurt Angle in the Riot Gear outfit. Um, anything else, hit us up at the Side Room Podcast um, at gmail.com. Hit me up at Val Cisco on Twitter. Facebook as well, too. Hit us up at the Side Room Podcast on Facebook and Twitter at the Side Room Podcast. And uh, we're also on Instagram at the Side Room Podcast, me, Val Cisco. And um, I'm always doing different things. Doing things with BX Lewin and Sportscast, doing real men reviews like we did for Dragon Ball earlier. Um, doing some Pop 5 with your boy Jay Rance. MMA Round 3 is coming up. So we got a lot to look forward to in the world. Oh, oh Pillow Talk. With Icy and BX Lou. Look at that. It's funny. So, you know, enough of my plugs. Get at us. Subscribe. Rate. Review. You'll have a good time. I'm having a good time. Even though I'm tied at, at, at the wrestling world right about now, I'm still having a good time. So, please, enjoy these moments with us. Give us your feedback. Give us your criticism. We'll take it constructive. We'll love it. Thank you so much. Always keep your mind and your eye on the